this morning. I'm excited. Can you tell I'm excited? I'm excited. I, I want you to put out your listening guides. We're going to start a new series this morning, uh, a series similar to this has been on my heart since the fall of last year. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about 2020 since last fall, haven't we? We went through the series, the 40 days of prayer. Is God an on-time God or is God an on-time God? God's an on-time God. You, you remember as we was going through that series, I said many, many times, I don't know what God's preparing us for, but God is certainly preparing us for something in 2020. I didn't have a clue what 2020 held, right? I've seen on Facebook a lot of people said, hey, I want my money back. I didn't pay for 2020. Can we just get on to 2021 or something? But anyway, uh, we knew in our hearts that God was preparing us for 2020, and he did so. One of the best ways God can prepare any of his people is to get them in the Word and get them in prayer. Get them in the Word and get them in prayer. And that's what we did in the fall of 2019. And 2020 rolled around, and all this mess of pandemics been going around. And I've been talking about 2020 vision for months and months. So this morning, we are going to begin about an eight- or nine-week series. We'll see how it works out. About an eight- or nine-week series on 2020 vision. 2020 vision, refocusing your life. Do you not believe that somewhere in the mix of this pandemic, God is calling upon his people, God is calling upon his church to refocus, to refocus. He has definitely snatched us out of our comfort zones. I have never done parking lot church in all of my days. I've never done church. I've done church in my living room before, but I've never done church in my living room in front of a camera pretending you was there. Um, just the, the stay-at-home orders, the lockdown at Standing Stone Care and Rehab where I serve as chaplain. I know you folks, a lot of you folks have been maybe unemployed, displaced, whatever, through all of this. Things have changed, haven't they? Things are different. And when things have changed and when things are different, it's a wonderful, wonderful time to just take in a deep breath and exhale real slowly and just start refocusing. Just start refocusing. That's what we're going to start this morning. We're going to, we're going to talk about for about eight or nine weeks how to refocus our life, how to refocus our life. We're going to start this morning by talking about refocusing our thoughts, refocusing our thoughts. So today what I want to do He's just kind of introduced the series. I'm going to kind of summarize the entire series uh, that we're going to be in. And again, what this entire series is about, and I can't overemphasize uh, the point of the message today in the series is this, to refocus our lives. Can you say that back to me? Refocus our lives. Refocus our lives, beginning today with refocusing our thought life. I believe with all of my heart, I believe with all of my heart, more than ever, that, that we, God's people, we need to willingly submit and allow God to reshape who we are, beginning with our minds, beginning with our thoughts. We need to bring our thoughts under His control. We need to bring our thoughts under His control. We need to get our thoughts going in what direction? 
in the right direction, in the heavenly direction. Our mind is one of the greatest assets that God has given us here on planet Earth. You just stop and think about your mind for just a moment, for just a moment. Our mind is one of the most precious earthly resources we've been given by God. Nothing in this world compares to the human mind. Nothing on this planet compares to the power of our brain. It's the most complex organ in our body. Without the brain, nothing else works. Can I get an amen? Listen to this. Listen to this. This will blow your mind. Our brain contains 100 billion, billion with a B. Our brain contains 100 billion neurons. Now, I don't know how, how big a neuron is, but it's got to be awfully tiny if there's a billion of them in here. It can record, get this, our brain, our mind can record 800 memories a second for 75 years and never give out. I didn't say 800 memories a year. 800 memories a second for 75 consecutive years and never catch on fire, never burn out, never go into overload. Our brain can store 100 trillion, with a T, our brain can store 100 trillion thoughts. Can somebody else besides me say, wow, is that not incredible? You didn't know you was packing that, did you, Miss Barbara? All of that right there in our head. But above all else, the most important thing that our brain can do for us, the most important thing about the human brain is this. We have the ability to communicate with God because of the gift of the brain he has given us in the way that he gave it to us. In Genesis, the Bible says that we were created how? In his image, in God's image. In Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18, would you look at this? How precious it is. Now, here's what this verse is saying. Talking about being created in the image of God. God has thoughts. We have thoughts. Did you know that God is constantly thinking about you? Now, I didn't say God's thinking about us. He is but it's more intimate than God thinking about planet Earth. It's more intimate than God thinking about the United States. It's more, it, it's more intimate than God thinking of the state of Tennessee or Putnam County or Cumberland County or Fentress County or Overton County or Trousdale County. The Bible says that God is thinking of you. Say me. God's thinking of you constantly. It's been really easy to feel alone in the past several weeks, haven't it? But you know who was thinking of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Eternity past, currently eternity future, God. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly, constantly. Today, I'm going to give you nine pillars. Today, I'm going to give you nine pillars on which we're going to build this series upon. The first pillar, take out your listening guy, if you will, and start filling in the blank, if you will. Number one, 
is this. We're talking about refocusing our lives. And in order to refocus our lives, we have to refocus our thinking. We have to refocus our thinking. Pillar number one is my thoughts control my life. Do you believe that? My thoughts control my life. And here's that wonderful word, but I can control my thoughts. Now, do you, do you understand the magnitude of that statement? That's a very significant life-changing statement. My thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. So if I control my thoughts, I start controlling my life. And if I'm thinking of heaven and I'm thinking upon God and thinking upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thinking upon the Holy Spirit and thinking and meditating upon the Word of God, then those thoughts start steering my life. Now how is life going for you? Yeah, refocusing our life by refocusing our thoughts. What a significant statement. Let me say it again. My thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. This this is an attribute that sets us apart from all other creatures that God created. It's based on the fact that as humans, we've been created in the image of God and we can control our thoughts. Therefore, my thoughts control my life and I can control my thoughts. Proverbs 23 verse 7 is is such a magnificent verse. Look here. For as he thinketh in his heart, as he what? As he thinketh in his heart, What's that next statement? So is he. So is she. Our thoughts drive our lives. Our thoughts drive our lives. In other words, we are, our lives are the sum total of the thoughts that we think. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, be careful what you think. I can remember Columbia Hill Baptist Church back in the early 70s and all of us kids lined up on the altar sitting there, and the Sunday school teacher uh, teaching us a simple, simple, simple song. Uh, who knows where I'm going with this? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Right? Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. What about, the, oh, be careful, little brain, what you think, Right? Because what we think determines what we desire to see, what we desire to hear, what we desire to say, what we desire to do, where we desire to go. That's all driven by what? Our thoughts. Now then, because your thoughts run your life. Take your pen and circle that portion of that verse right there. Your thoughts run your life. This short little verse teaches us two huge, very important truths that we're going to look at over and over again in the weeks ahead. One of them is this. Your life is determined by what you think. According to that verse, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. So your life is determined by what you think. Your life is determined by what you think. If you think bad thoughts... You're going to have a bad life. If your life stinks, it's because you're thinking stinky thoughts. If you think dumb thoughts, you're going to have a dumb life. I said life with an L. I know where some of y'all went. 
If you have smart thoughts, you're going to have a smart life. If you have good thoughts, you're going to have a good life. If you think heavenly thoughts, if you think godly thoughts, your thoughts determine your life. But it also says be careful what you think. Be careful indicates that we have a choice. Be careful means that we have a choice. We choose what we want to think about. One of the biggest reasons I know that we need this series is because we all, we say all, we all need to exercise that choice much more than we currently do. Can I get an amen? Often one of the biggest reasons that our life is going in the wrong direction is because we're thinking the wrong thoughts. So yes, we desperately need to refocus our thoughts. So we need to ask ourselves this question. We need to ask ourselves this question. Do I really want to think about this right now? Do I really want to think like this right now? Most all of our problems, if not all of our problems, come from allowing other people to put thoughts in our heads. Instead of choosing them for ourselves. On a daily basis, we allow other people, the, the various media outlets, books, magazines, friends, peers, enemies, even Satan, we allow those folks to put thoughts in our head and then we begin to think those thoughts, and as a man thinketh, so is he. It's all controlled by our thoughts. Just because we have an open mind, and I suggest you keep an open mind, but just because we have an open mind doesn't mean we're to allow everybody to contribute to our thoughts. We have to guard our minds. We need to choose to think better thoughts. When we don't choose our own thoughts, we're going to have a lot of bad, hurtful, wrong, self-defeating thoughts. Here's, I want you to write this question down. It should be in your notes. Circle it, underline it, bold it, highlight it. I want you to think upon this question beginning today, every day, throughout the day. Do I really want to think about this right now, because it's a choice. It's a choice. If you learn to ask that question every day, several times throughout the day, I promise you, I, I stand before you now with my hand raised. The Bible says that you yea be yea and you nay be nay. Here's a yea. If you'll ask yourself this question on a daily basis, it will change your entire life. It will change the direction of your life. When you start to worry, stop and say, do I really want to worry right now? What do I have to worry about? And before you know it, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to remind you of Scripture where Jesus says, do not worry about anything. But by prayer and supplication, tell God what's going on. Trust Him. Unload your heart upon Him. Unload your mind upon Him. And what does the Bible say? And the peace that passes all understanding, the 
comfort your heart by asking yourself one simple question. Do I really want to go there right now? Do I really want to think these thoughts right now? When you start to fear, feel fearful, do I really want to be fearful right now? When you start to get upset about something, do I, do I really want to be upset right now? When you start to obsess over something, do I really want to obsess about this right now? Listen, listen. Nobody's holding a gun to your head forcing you to think those discouraging thoughts. So who has the control over your thoughts? Say me. Absolutely, that's the truth. Again, we're made in the image of God, and so we need to learn to ask the question over and over and over, do I really want to think about this right now? We need to refocus what we're thinking about. Number two, number two, the second pillar is this. Any change that I want to make for good or for bad, listen, any change that you want to see in your life begins with the way you think. You can't just rush into change. If you want to see change, you have to change the way you think. You have to change what you think about. A thought becomes an attitude, and an attitude becomes an action. It starts in the mind. It starts with the thought. Any change I want to make for good or bad, it starts in my mind. Change starts in the brain, not in our behavior. Change starts in your cerebellum, not in your circumstances. Change starts inside you, not outside you. If you want to change your behavior, start by changing the way you think because whatever you think about is what is going to change. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Brother Darrell, I think you preached on this very recently. Do not, do not. What? I, I, that, 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 those two words always confuse me. It's confused me from childhood all the way up. Anybody else ever get confused with that do not part of life? I can remember when our boys were little, twins, boys, two years old, you just imagine. And I can remember time after time after time going in the bedroom, sitting down on the bed, standing them before me, them sad little faces looking at me. Boys, boys, boys. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. You know the speech. I didn't rush into that. Here, here's what I tell them. Boys, now listen. Here's how this works. I mean, their little brains were capable of 10 billion memories too. They knew they'd been in there before. Here's how it works, guys. When mommy and daddy says, don't do that, your job is to not do that. And when mommy and daddy tell you, do that, your job is to do that. Now, if you can remember those two little rules around here, we won't have to be in here no more. You got it? Yes, Daddy, we got it. Until next time. Now, me and Daryl could retire. We've preached enough in our lifetime to get everybody on track, including ourselves. Have we not? In the past six years, we've preached enough at Hope in Christ that every one of us ought to just be sailing high. 
but we forget, don't we? Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world. Wow, I just want to put it in park and hang out there for about six hours today. Church, Christians, children of God, holy people, holy priesthood, redeemed, those of us who have been saved and born again and our sins are forgiven, whose home is heaven. We're just stowaways here for a short time. This is not home. If it's not home, then why are we allowing our thoughts to be conformed to this world? Because that's easy. It's easy to be conformed to this world. You don't have to do much at all to be conformed to this world, but you have to fight. You have to violently, vigilantly fight to not be conformed to this world. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world. In other words, what the world says is important. Don't don't be conformed to what the world says you ought to be thinking. Don't conform yourself to what the world thinks is important, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of mind. Notice here, one of two things are going to happen to everybody, especially children of God. You're either going to be conformed or you're going to get transformed. One of two. You're going to be conformed or you're going to get transformed. It's it's one or the other. You're going to be just like everybody else by listening to everybody else. But you're only going to become more like Jesus day by day by day by listening to Jesus, by being transformed by the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God, by consuming the Word of God, by storing it in our hearts, storing it in our minds, rehearsing it, meditating it, and living it out. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is which is our reasonable service, which is our act of worship to Almighty God. So you're going to be just like everybody else by listening to everybody else, or do you want to be transformed? If so, you're going to be different. You're not going to fit in. You won't be Mr. and Misery's popular. And as the days progress, it'll bring about persecution and many other things. You're going to be different. You're going to be great by allowing God to renew your mind, by allowing God to change you, and by allowing God to refocus our lives. Do not be conformed to the standards of this world, but be transformed by the changing of your mind. In other words, don't allow the outward pressure to force you to be like the world. Be transformed from the inside out. Here's what Jesus said. Now, this is from the message paraphrase, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, just a paraphrase. 
You're blessed when you get your inside world. In other words, your mind and your heart put right. You're blessed when you get your inside world put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. What Jesus is saying is when you get it right on the inside, you'll be right on the outside. Jesus says, where does it start? On the inside. Any change you want to make in your life starts with your thoughts, not in your feelings, not in your behavior. And that leads to the third pillar of refocusing my life. And folks, listen, this is a big one. This is a big one. I can change how I feel. Wow. I can change how I feel by changing how I think. Anybody in the room want to feel better? Anybody out there watching Facebook or YouTube, anybody want to feel better? Here's how you feel better. Change your thinking. Change your thinking. You have to change the way you think because the way you think determines how you feel. Have you ever noticed that your feelings can be resistant to your will? Hmm? You don't want to feel a certain way, so you try to force yourself not to feel that way, but what happens? You still feel that way. You still feel that way. Your feelings tend to rebel. They're very rebellious, your feelings are. They're resistant to your will, so you can't just command them. You can't just go stand and look in front of the mirror and say, Self, stop being sad. You ever tried that? Go and try that today. Most of the time, our feelings are beyond our control. It's like trying to tell a crying child to quit crying. I've done that. It's ridiculous. My mom and dad used to try that. You're about to dry it up. I'll give you something to cry about. I'm like, well, if I could, I would, but I can't. Right? Exactly. If we could command our feelings to change, boy, wouldn't life be easy? Most of the time, our feelings are beyond our control. You can't control your feelings all the time. But what have we learned so far? What can we control? We can control our thoughts, can't we? And if our thoughts determine how we feel and we're controlling our thoughts, then our thoughts determine our feelings. When you're feeling fearful, why are you feeling fearful? Because you're having fearful thoughts. When you're feeling depressed, you're thinking depressing thoughts. When you're feeling angry, it's because you're thinking angry thoughts. And when you're feeling bitter, it's because you're thinking bitter thoughts. You can't change your feeling, but you can change your thinking. You can change what you're thinking, and when you change what you're thinking, you're going to feel a whole lot better. Can I give a, an example? I know this has never happened to anybody in this room. This has never happened to anybody watching online. But listen, let me give this silly analogy. Let's say you're watching TV. And a news commentator comes on. And this news commentator begins to say stuff. Let's say maybe you don't agree with. And the longer you watch, the more frustrated you become. And I mean, when you sat down, you was, everything was good. I mean, you came in, you sat down, it's a beautiful, sunshiny day like today, and you flip on the TV and you turn on 
something and someone is there and they're talking and it doesn't line up with your line of thinking, you're getting mad and frustrated. So what you should do is just turn the TV off, go to the, go to the mirror and say, listen here, you need to quit feeling frustrated and everything will just go away, won't it? No. Bingo. Change the channel. Change the channel. Turn it off. So it is with our thinking. When the thoughts that we're thinking is causing a certain reaction, then turn that line of thinking off. Change the channel. Change the channel. Does that make sense? (coughs) The same thing is true in our minds, folks. I don't want to worry. Then change the channel. I don't want to be depressed. Then change the channel. I, I don't want to lust. Change the channel. I don't want to be bitter. Then change the channel. You don't resist it. Why? You can't resist it. In our fallen nature, we can't resist it. Whatever you resist persists. What do we do? We refocus. We refocus. We redirect. Let me give you a couple of examples found in the Word of God. Here's one from King David in Psalm 42, 6. David says, my heart is breaking. That's a feeling. That's an emotion. My heart is breaking, so I do what? Yeah. Yeah. When my heart is breaking, I can't say, David, quit allowing your heart to be broken. He says, I know what to do. I change, my th- I change channels. I change my thinking. I start thinking. I turn my thoughts toward God. Look at Jonah in chapter 2, verse 7. Jonah said, when I had lost all hope, when I had lost all, all hope, again, that's an emotion, that's a thing. What did he say? He said the same thing. I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. Some of y'all need to memorize that verse. You need to write it down. You need to memorize it. You need to meditate on it. You need to practice it. When all hope is lost, when my heart is breaking, I turn my thoughts to God. Let's say that together. Can we say this verse together on the count of three? One, two, three. When I've lost all hope, I turn my thoughts once more to the Lord. Can we practice that? If you want to act different, you've got to start by trying to change your actions. You don't start by trying to change your actions. You've got to go upstream. You've got to change your thinking. What you think determines how you feel, and what you feel determines how you act. Number four. Number four, this is good stuff, folks. This is good stuff. Look at this. Every behavior is based on a belief. Let that sink in. Let that marinate for a second or two. Every behavior you have is based upon a belief you possess. Every action, 
Every action, every behavior is based on a belief. The Bible has a whole lot to say about this. It teaches us that every behavior is based upon a belief. Anytime you do something, good or bad, there's a belief underneath it. There's a belief underneath it. All our behaviors are based upon unspoken belief. If I'm scared, it's because I'm believing scary thoughts. If I'm resentful, it's because I'm believing that I've been devalued, so I'm defending myself. I believe I ought to defend myself, therefore I'm behaving this way. When I'm prideful, it's because I'm secretly believing I'm not good enough, so I'm trying to compensate by being boastful, by being proud, because I'm feeling insecure. I, don't, I feel like I don't measure up, so I'm going to put myself out there because of what I believe. Every behavior is based upon an underlying belief. So do you know what your beliefs are? because they're driving your behaviors. If there's something you don't like that you do, if there's something, some feeling you don't like to feel, then you need to go to the source and you need to change that thought. You need to change that idea. You need to change that belief in your mind. Haggai chapter 1 verse 5, God says this, think carefully about your behavior. Why do I act the way I act with this certain person? I don't like the way I act with this person. What do you believe about that person? Why do I act this way at work? Why do I act this way at school? Why do I act this way with certain neighbors? I don't even like my normal self when I'm around so-and-so. There's a belief behind every behavior. So in order to refocus your thinking, you have to start by being honest. You have to start by being honest, and you have to evaluate, and you have to ask, why am I acting this way? It's because of what you're believing. And if you want to change the behavior, you've got to change what you believe. In other words, what thought triggered that response? What assumption is behind that action? What belief is behind that behavior? And here's what I'm doing. As your pastor as your friend, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to start looking at the beliefs behind your behaviors. This is how you grow. This is how you grow. You grow by examining what's going on in your mind. Again, we have to ask ourselves a question. Here's the question. What am I believing right now? What am I believing right now? Proverbs 14, 15 says, A foolish person will believe anything, but a wise person thinks about what he does. Is that valuable counsel? Is that wise counsel? A foolish person will believe anything. Again, don't be conformed to the faults and the directions of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? With the Word of God. A foolish person will believe anything, but a wise person thinks about what he does. We have to think about 
our beliefs because it affects our emotions. It affects our actions. Number five, this is another big one. Anytime I sin, at that moment I'm believing a lie. You ever thought of it that way? Let me explain it to you. Anytime I sin, at that moment I'm believing a lie. Anytime I sin, at that particular moment, I am always, always, always believing a lie because the the only way your sin nature is going to let you sin is by not believing the truth. Does that make sense? This is extremely important to understand as a child of God. Anytime I'm sinning or anytime I'm being tempted to sin, I'm being told a lie. So you need to stop and ask, what lie is being told here? Proverbs 14, 12. There are many ways that we think are right, but where do they lead? There are many ways that we think, what? We what? Many ways we think are right, but they lead to death. Have you ever driven down a dead-end road? Have you ever experienced any dead ends in your life? Have you ever had somebody, have you ever had something you thought was going to work out and it just didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out? There's a lot of things we think are right, that we think are good, that we think will make us happy, that we think will be the secret to our fulfillment, but they're not. But they're not. It's a dead end. It's a lie. And God says that this is what happens when you don't believe what I tell you. Do you, do you really understand the original sin in the garden? What was the name of the tree that Adam and Eve ate the fruit of? The knowledge of good and evil. Now, prior to them eating of the tree of the knowledge of evil, because when they ate the fruit, guess what happened? The Bible says their eyes were open, and they began to see good and evil in their own eyes. They they gained the ability to self-determine Hey, if I say it's right, it's right. If I say it's wrong, it's wrong. I don't care what you, God, or anybody else says. You know anybody with an attitude like that other than yourself? Hey, hey, how'd you like the way I worded that? Snuck it in on you. Prior to them eating of the fruit of the tree of the good of uh, the tree, fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve was totally dependent upon who to know good and evil. God. Good is good because God says it's good. Can I get an amen? And evil is evil because God says it's evil. So when we're sinning, we're doing, we're we're back to that do not stuff, aren't we? When we're sinning, it's because God said don't do that and we're doing it. Or also God said do it and we're not doing it and we're sinning against God. And that's a dead end. God said, don't do that. And you think, well, I'll, I'll enjoy that. And sure enough, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. 
Hey, you have a lot of fun sinning. I'm not encouraging you. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of sin that brings a lot of pleasure and a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment. But it brings death. The dead end. It's a lie because God says this is what happens when you don't believe what I tell you. Have you ever watched somebody you love travel down a dead-end street of life? You know better. You know better. You, you see what's happening, and you warn them, and you caution them, and you love them, and you pray for them, and they just, they just keep on going, don't they? Why? They're believing a lie. Your behavior is determined by your beliefs. And they really believe that the street that they're on is what they need, what they deserve, what they won't. It's going to bring them fulfillment. It's going to give them peace. It's going to give them everything they need. But we know different, don't we? They keep practicing self-defeating behaviors even though it's killing them. They're believing a lie about their addiction. You know the truth, but you can't convince them of it. They're believing a lie about their habits. They're believing a lie about their lifestyle. Every sin that you and I and anyone else commits is based upon a lie, and that's why Jesus said, in the truth, truth will set you free. How many times have you tried to change the behavior of someone from the outside in? Can I just encourage you to stop that? Love them where they are. Be an example before them. And pray for them. Because until they change what they believe, their behavior will never change. They need to believe upon the name of Jesus. And when they believe upon the name of Jesus, they'll begin to believe the truth. And what does Jesus say the truth will do? The truth will set you free. James chapter 1, this temptation comes from the lure of our own inner Desires. If you're if you're guilty of saying, "Hey, the devil made me do it," just stop saying that. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. James says temptation comes from the lure of our own inner desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions, and the actions lead to death. Remember, what you think determines how you feel. What you feel determines how you act. And it leads to actions which lead to death. So here's what you have to ask yourself. What lie am I believing that's leading to this behavior? Does anybody in the room have any behavior you need to see changed in your life? 
got to change what you believe. Number six, there is an unseen war going on in and for my mind. There is a war going on in every mind of everyone listening to me today. There's a war going on in your mind, and there's a war going on for your mind. It's an invisible war. Now, this gets good. Listen to this. But it's a real war. It's a brutal war. It's a constant war. That war will go on until the day you cease to exist here on planet Earth. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but whether you realize it or not, we are in a war within our own minds and against outside forces. A war, a constant war, and we have an enemy that's battling for our mind every single day. Here's how we have to refocus our thinking. Christianity is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. Oh, I'm saved. Oh, I'm safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. I'm just going to sit back and cruise on into glory. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Christianity is a battleship. It's war every day. Can anybody testify? Listen to this silly, silly, silly story. A true story published by National Geographic. This lady decided she wanted a new pet, so this lady bought for herself a boa constrictor. This lady bought herself a boa constrictor. And... She thought this boa constrictor had gotten sick because it quit eating. So she took it to the vet. And the vet started examining this 8, 10-foot-long boa constrictor and can't find anything wrong with it. And he said, now, remind me again why you brought this snake into me. And then she said, well, it's quit eating. He said, well, where do you keep this boa constrictor? What, what kind of tank do you keep it in? What, what room of the house do you keep it in? Oh, I don't keep it in a tank. I... I just let it roam free, and it sits with me on the couch, and I pet it, and I love it. It's, it's, my, it's my little boa constrictor. He said, well, where, where does this boa constrictor sleep? Oh, it sleeps in the bed with me. Well, when you're laying in the bed asleep, how does the boa constrictor sleep in the bed? Does it curl up? Does it stretch out? Oh, it stretches out right beside me. It loves to cuddle with me. He said, listen, lady. Boa constrictors will starve themselves on purpose when they're planning to eat a big meal. And when they get ready to eat that big meal, they stretch themselves out as far as they can stretch themselves because boa constrictors can eat things much larger than they are. Your snake is fixing to eat you. And that's what, exactly what was going on. Intentionally starving itself, preparing itself for its, big, its next big meal, and it's sleeping with her. And while she's laying there asleep, he's stretching out because he's fixing to just start taking her in by the feet up. What's the moral of the story? A snake is a snake. 
And I don't care if you call it a pet or not. Snake is a snake. Satan in the form of a snake is what turned this whole world upside down in the garden many years ago. You can't play around with snakes, can you? You can't play around with snakes. The devil is the devil, and the devil is out to destroy you. And when you dance with the devil, you're going to die. He's trying to destroy your relationships. He's trying to destroy your marriage. He's trying to destroy your influence. He's trying to destroy your witness. Sometimes we forget we have this enemy that wants to destroy us. This is why I'm saying Christianity is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. It's a battle every single day. It's the forces of light against the forces of darkness. We know we win in the end, but there's still battles to be fought. Can I get an amen? When we think we're just looking at Facebook or we're just looking at Instagram, he's actually throwing grenades of envy. He's throwing grenades of jealousy. He's throwing grenades of comparison at us. Oh, look what they got. Oh, look where they're going. Oh, look at their perfect, happy little life. Michelle. Well, we, she watches the grandkids most every Tuesday and Thursday, and, and she captures on her phone the most precious minute, minutes of the day. I promise you all day long, don't look like Facebook. They don't. Vivi Ray and Grant are cuddled up and smiling and loving at each other, and 30 seconds later, he smacks her and she bites him, and it's on. Of course, we don't take pictures of that, but on Facebook... Boone, he's the smilingest kid ever lived until he gets upset, right? Little Ellie and William, cutest little things you've ever seen. We get text messages and posts all the time. Oh, look at them. Michelle stopped by and saw them yesterday. I'm sure every moment wasn't just like that, was it? Everything you see on Facebook is not as it is, folks. when you think you're just watching the news, because that's what we do at night, right? Here's what Satan's doing. He's sneaking these torpedoes of fear into your life every single day. Change the channel. Turn it off. Get outside. Enjoy nature. Get outside. Enjoy your neighbors. Get outside. Enjoy life. Your days on earth are numbered by God, and you'll be here to the millisecond He wants you here. And in the meantime, enjoy yourself. Enjoy life. Quit living in fear. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 7. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Paul said, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that's at war with my mind, and it wins the fight, and it makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, say that, in my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Some of y'all probably sitting here saying, man, this is depressing. It's terrible news. Well, can I give you some good news? 
Can I give you some good news? God has given us everything we need to fight the battle and win the war. Refocus. Refocus. This brings us to the seventh pillar. There's only nine. Thank God. Number seven, or at least we're moving on, right? To win the battle in and for my mind, I've got to have two things. To win the battle in my mind and for my mind, I must have God's Spirit and God's Word. God's Spirit and God's Word inside me. Inside me. Not on the nightstand, not in the drawer, not on the coffee table, not just on the phone or on the tablet, not just on the Internet. I've got to have it where? Inside me. If I depend upon my own personal power, if you depend upon your own personal power and energy to handle this war, to handle this battle, we're going to lose because we can never win the battle in our own strength. The enemy is too powerful. Oh, I take care of that devil in your dreams. There's a couple of followers of Christ in the book of Acts thought they could handle the devil, thought they could handle the demons. They saw Jesus. They saw the other disciples casting out demons. They said, hey, let's go get our hands dirty. They found them a couple of possessed people, went up and said, hey, we're disciples. Come out of him. You know how the Bible says they left the scene naked and wounded? Hmm? That's how you'll walk away. That's how I'll walk away from every spiritual battle I fight in my own power, naked and injured, bleeding, bruised. In my own power and in my own strength, I'm powerless. We actually have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We have the world around us. We have culture fighting us. Culture, the world, does not make us better. It tears us down. Don't be conformed to this world. You have your own sin nature inside of you. That's Satan waging war against you. That is the unholy trinity. Where we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, the unholy trinity is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And when these three pile up against you, you are not and I am not strong enough to handle them by ourselves. So we need the two key weapons to win the battle in our mind. We need God's Holy Spirit and we need God's Holy Word on the inside of us. Can I get an amen? Notice what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. While we live in this world, listen, listen. While we live in this world, we don't fight the same way the world does. I'm, I'm, I'm driving slow through this because I need to hear this and you need to hear this. How many's living in this world right now? I believe that'd be each of us. While we live in this world, we don't fight the same way the world fights. We fight with God's weapons, not worldly ones. Our weapons have God's power to demolish the enemy's strong places. 
We cannot knock down all the worldly arguments and all the prideful defenses that set themselves up in our minds against the knowledge of God. In this war, we capture, circle that, underline that. We capture every rebel thought and we make it give up and we make it obey Christ with God's weapons, not our weapons. There's some folks in this room. There's some folks watching. There's some folks on planet Earth today. There's some good God-fearing Christians who are fighting themselves into the grave with worldly weapons, and you're totally wasting your time. Wasting your time. Wasting your life. How does this world fight? P.O. L-I-T-I-C-S. It's how the world fights. It's the ongoing civil war in our nation today. And who's winning? Who said that? You get an A today, brother. You get a gold star. Nobody's winning. Because you can't win that battle. Can't win that battle. That's not our battle to begin with. You remember me, you remember me preaching through the book of 1 Peter? Those Christians were living in Rome. Nero, it is, it is said that Nero burnt the city down in order to blame the Christians because he hated Christ that bad. He hated God that bad. He hated the Christians that bad that he burned his own city down and said the Christians did it so he could launch war against them. You know how much he hated them? When they killed them, they would soak them in kerosene and hang them from the street post and burn them as nightlights at night. Peter said, listen, take what you get. Know it's for the cause of Christ. And above everything else, remember this. This world is not your home. Can I be political for a moment? Can I share some of my politics with you? I live in the United States of America. But my true residency is in heaven. And I'm as good as there. My king is not seated in a White House in Washington, D.C. My king is enthroned in heaven. And my first and my foremost Dedication and love is in heaven. This war that's going on in our nation today will not be won. It's going to get darker and darker and darker. And it's going to get more perverse and more perverse, more perverse. And the elections are going to get more ugly and more ugly 
and more ugly. And Jesus is going to come back. Christians, can we please lay down our swords, our worldly swords, our worldly shields, our worldly weapons? And can we refocus upon our eternal home and let whatever happens here happen here? Because God's will is going to be done here. And we need to refocus our time and our energy and our resources on the kingdom of heaven. If we would pursue God and his kingdom first, He'll take care of all things. Can I get an amen? We're going to skip all the way down. Number eight. Refocusing our lives, refocusing our thinking. My goal is to learn to think like Jesus. They recommend a book. If you've never read the book, Just Like Jesus. What's his name, Mom? I forgot. Max Licato, great Christian author. Wrote a book several years ago. I'm talking about 20, 25 years ago. Got a copy in my office. I'll loan it to anybody that comes up and asks first for it. Just Like Jesus. In the church, we have this word called sanctification. Anybody know what it means? Sanctification is the process from the time we're born again till the time we leave out of here that God is sanctifying us, that God is making us less like the world and more like Jesus. Our goal should be to learn to think just like Jesus. That book, as well as the gospel, Read the Gospels over and 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 over. And watch how Jesus thinks. How in the world can I know how Jesus thinks? Because Jesus behaves like he thinks. Look how Jesus reacts toward his critics. Look how Jesus reacts towards his enemies. Look how Jesus reacts toward those who love him and those who pursue him. In the book of Acts, they were first called Christians in a negative demeanor. Well, y'all just a bunch of little Christs. The word Christian means Christ-like. If I go search your Facebook page today, are you Christ-like on Facebook? If I go to your Instagram account or your Twitter account, if I go talk to your coworkers, if I go talk to your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, oh, yeah, oh, one of the most godly people I know. Or ah, they say they go to church, but you know what? 2020 vision, refocusing our lives by refocusing our thinking. My goal is to learn to think like 
Jesus. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through, I think what Peter's trying to say is, hey, y'all need to just get over yourself. You've not scratched the surface of what Jesus went through. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Because when you think like him, you'll act like him. And when you act like him, those lost individuals on those dead-end roads, you'll spark hope. Because most of them's right. Most of them's right. Most of us are fairly self-righteous, fairly self-absorbed. Conform to this world, not being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We were arrested and took to trial to be convicted of being a Christian. Would there ever be enough evidence to lock you up? We weren't a cross, wearing a T-shirt, fish symbol on the trunk of your car. That don't cut it. Like they used to say, it ain't how high you jump in church, it's how straight you walk outside the church. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, Learn to think like him. Your thoughts and attitudes must, not should, not can or could. Your thoughts and attitudes must be the same. My goal is to learn to think like Jesus. We'll come back to that in the weeks ahead. Number nine, here's the the magic button. Here's the trigger. Refocusing my life to match how Jesus thinks is called repentance. Called repenting. You want to do as hope in Christ. We want to learn to think like Jesus. Is there an amen out there? Refocus my life to match how Jesus thinks is called repentance. Now, we could do a big, long word study here, but but I'll not do that. I'll just simply tell you that this word repentance has been mishandled and mistaught and mispreached and everything else. Some people have preached repentance as stop doing bad stuff. That's not repentance. The word repent, if you study it out in the original Greek language, the word repent is two words in one, and you put both of those together, and it simply means this, change your mind. Now then, True repentance will lead you to stop doing bad things, but repenting doesn't mean stop doing bad things. Repent means change your mind. And as we've seen all through this for the past hour, 
Refocusing our life means we have to refocus our thinking, which means we have to change the way we think. So the secret to everything I've given you this morning is this. We must repent. We have to change our mind. It's a 180. It's turning from being conformed to this world. It's turning toward the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a changing of mind. I'm changing my mind about the world. I'm not going to pursue the world because the world's going to lead to death and destruction in a place called hell. I'm changing my mind. I'm going toward Jesus. I'm going toward God the Father. I'm going toward heaven. And in the meantime, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to start thinking just like Jesus. And that changes it all. It's repentance. I used to think guilty thoughts. Now I think forgiven thoughts. I've met Christians that are still living in the guilt of their sins that God has forgiven. They're under the blood. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. And they're still living in guilt. Why? Because they're thinking guilty thoughts. And God says, you're redeemed. You're born again. You're my child. I used to think damnation and discouragement. Now I think life and peace. Why? Because God said so. Jesus thinks forgiveness thoughts. Jesus thinks life and peace. Jesus thinks serenity. Jesus thinks heaven. Jesus thinks a life full of meaning and purpose. I used to think stress, but now I think of serenity. I used to think of hell. Now I think of heaven. I used to think of no meaning, no purpose in life. Now I think about meaning and purpose of life. Why? Because I'm thinking like Jesus, the Son of God. Acts 3.19, repent and change your mind and return back to God so that all your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, and so the times of refreshing and recovering, reviving may come from the presence of the Lord. I want that verse, don't you? How do I get that verse? Repent. Change your mind. Return to God. All your sins will be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, so that what times of refreshings, time of revival, times of recovery will come from the presence of the Lord. Anybody in here need some refreshment? Anybody in here need a little recovery? Anybody in here need a little reviving? Repent. Oh, God, we're praying for great revival. And God's saying, change your mind. Well, God, if my neighbor would just quit doing what he's doing and if my coworkers and if everybody else were to start changing their behavior, God, I know revival would come. And God's saying, hey, you, hey, I'm talking to you. You need to take your eyes off of them and them and them and them. You need to change your mind and you will experience revival by repenting, by repenting. Michelle, come on. As they're coming, would you bow your heads with me this morning? Bow your heads and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer in your heart this morning. God, I want to be close to you. 
Lord, I want to be closer to you than I've ever been in all of my life. Lord, this is the cry of my heart today. That you'll renew and refresh and revive my relationship with you. Jesus, bring revival to my life. God, I want to repent in the true meaning of the word repent. I want to change my mind. God, you know I've allowed a lot of things in this world into my mind, and they're not right. I want the truth to set me free. I want to change my mind about you, about life, about what really matters, how I spend my time, how I spend my money. Father, I want to think like Jesus. I want to return to doing the things I did when I first fell in love with you. Lost person, addicted person, God's dealing with your heart today, inviting you to come to Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Dear God, I confess I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. Through your power, I'm changing my mind, trusting you to change my heart. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again on the third day. He died in my place. Father, I receive your Son as my Savior and Lord. I turn to you. I commit my life to you from this day forward in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen.